<laughs> thank you, thank you. Good morning, church. And uh, do not change your dials. This is no longer John Markowski. <laughs> no, I'm excited to be up here today to uh, continue the story of if Jesus was a New Yorker. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Al Baker. Um, I'm probably better known as Glinda's husband, <laughs> Nathan's dad, <laughs> or Uncle Al. Thank you very much. <laughs> I love that. Uh, and probably more recently, very recently, um, I've been known as a, an elder here in the, the church. Um, yes. Uh, all positions and roles that I take uh, very seriously, uh, I'm very grateful to have, and um, and I'm unpaid for. So I don't know. <laughs> anyway, uh, but today we're going to continue with If Jesus Was a New Yorker. I love this series. I don't know about you. I hope you've enjoyed it too. Uh, John and Arlene are uh, phenomenal leaders here in the Big Apple Church. They're uh, actually doing some more specific hands-on leadership with the uh, the campus crew. So uh, they're on a retreat right now, and um, so I got the call to come out of the bullpen, and here I am. <laughs> but I'm excited to do this because I believe. <laughs> uh, I love the fact that John started us off with in the village. You know, that Jesus being born in the village would go to the village. Uh, I believe that. Uh, he took us next to the High Line, Chelsea. And, and it's clear to see Jesus, you know, loved going to the higher ground. So he would go to the High Line, no doubt about it. And then he, John opened our eyes into the world of Jesus' private life, the underground piece uh, of his prayer life uh, via the A-train. And then he showed us that Jesus was not only giving but he was also wise in his giving. He took us to Wall Street and showed us that Jesus would have walls. He would say yes and he would say no. Uh, and we need to do the same in our lives. But he would have a street through that wall that people could come to. But what he didn't talk about, and I'm here to bring it to you today, is that Jesus not only would go to all those places but he would go in a very spiritual way up. That's right. He would go uptown to the Apollo Theater. <laughs> you know, if you have ever been up to Harlem, you know the Apollo Theater is the heart of Harlem. It is the place. And for African Americans who've been around for any period of time, especially myself, my father, uh, Apollo Theater was the place. I mean, that was that was what truly gave you hope and showed you talent. Uh, but it was located, it is located, I should say, uptown. Uh, which is why I say Jesus would go uptown. <laughs> uh, it's between 110th and about 155th before you get to Washington Heights, uh, between the, the East River and the Hudson River. Um, Harlem, you know, it's, it was uh, really a place before it was Apollo and African Americans, it was really dominated by Jews and Italians, predominantly. Uh, but in the 19th... Okay, thank you. Yeah, 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 okay. <laughs> uh, 
But starting in, in 1905, um, you know, as, as uh, African-Americans, blacks would migrate from the South, which, by the way, my parents did. They migrated from the South. Um, they came to New York, one of the places they'd come to, and they would come to Harlem. And then in um, the 1930s, the Harlem Renaissance started. Uh, it was an outpouring of artistic talent and work, jazz, musicians, uh, dancing, singing. Uh, it really was the place where the African community could showcase um, its talent, and it shaped the world. Um, but the heart and soul of Harlem is the Apollo Theater. <laughs> Um, before there was the American Idol, <laughs> there was the Apollo Theater and there was uh, Amateur Night. You know, first Amateur Night started in 1934. Um, it uh, showcased everything from dancing to singing, jazz, swing, bebop, R&B, gospel, blues. All of these became American icon uh, uh, genres. Uh, give me an example. Uh, amateur night, Jimi Hendrix won first place in an amateur contest at the Apollo in 1964. In 1967, the Jackson Five performed at the Apollo Theater for the first time, and they won amateur night. Now, what was not well known, well publicized, is um, they almost didn't go on stage. The act before them was booed off, and Michael, being I think at the time maybe 10 years old, was scared. Who's this guy that comes out and shoots people off and brushes them off? I'm not sure I want to go out there. <laughs> but I, we're really glad he did because that actually launched their career. Uh, Apollo Theater has these legends, the Hall of Fame, uh, Little Richie, Harlan Oates, Smokey Robinson, Gladys Knight and the Pips, uh, Quincy Jones, Shaka Khan, Patti LaBelle, Prince. Um, the Beatles, when they first came to the U.S., there was one place they wanted to go, Apollo Theater. There have been many of uh, professionals that have gone there to learn from the blacks that were on stage, to copy, imitate, and sometimes steal. <laughs> uh, maybe too many times. <laughs> uh, and lately, we've had, uh, Apollo Theater has had some uh, people with various talents. Uh, one person you might know, President Obama <laughs> showed up at the Apollo Theater and sang Al Green's song, Let's stay together. Now, he only, showed, he only sang about six words. <laughs> uh, but he was so proud and pleased that the Sandman didn't come and brush him off the stage. <laughs> Recently, Bruno Mars actually starred at the Apollo Theater where he had his showcase, 24K Magic Live. And he was the first one, his, his actual band was the first one to actually perform on top of the Apollo marquee. So people are always trying to do one better. But you know what? I don't really know that much about the Apollo Theater, having moved here about six years ago. But I know someone who does, and his name is called Mr. Apollo, Billy Mitchell. Let's hear from him. Welcome to the world-famous Apollo Theater, where stars are born and legends are made. This building is located on 125th Street in Harlem, USA. This wonderful building was built in 1914. And the original name of the building was not called the Apollo Theater. The building was originally called Hertig and Siemens New Burlesque Theater. 
The building was renamed the Apollo Theater in 1934 when burlesque was being outlawed. The building was renamed the Apollo Theater based on the Greek god Apollo. That was the uh, Greek god that represented the sun and music and poetry and entertainment. All right. Thank you, Mr. Apollo. Uh, you know, so as he said, you know, talent would come to the Apollo Theater to be discovered. It was a dream of many that uh, had the heart and the hope uh, to actually get up on that stage on Amateur Night. Uh, how many of you have seen that on TV? Amateur Night or Showtime, etc. So you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you you got to be brave. <laughs> it's not for the faint of heart, as they say. Um, it was a, uh, a time to be discovered if you had the right stuff. Turn with me over to Luke chapter 19. This lesson will not just be about the Apollo Theater. <laughs> Even though it's pretty exciting and there's a lot to talk about, but it, it, we need to look into the Bible. In Luke 19, we'll see a time where someone was discovered. They were discovered by Jesus. Read with me in Luke 19, chapter 1. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. I mean, verse one, sorry. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector in the region. He had become very rich. He tried to get to see Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, Quick, come down. I must be a guest in your house. We're going to continue reading, but let me set the stage here. This is a, um, a moment that's only recorded in Luke, uh, the meeting of Zacchaeus and Jesus. Uh, Luke, as uh, some of you may know, uh, is a doctor. He's a Gentile. Uh, but he became a devout follower of Christ, a disciple of Christ. Um, he actually this took on the task because of his skill and his talent especially with Greek of recording the history of Jesus the gospel as they say and then also Acts um, what's interesting here is that he's noticing or taking note of a time when Jesus is actually heading on to Jerusalem but he has to pass through Jericho uh, Jericho uh, at this time was a rich agricultural town a resort for the royalty and priests, considered an oasis in this area. Uh, many Jews at this time were also traveling with Jesus, thus the crowds that, that are around him, uh, as they had to Jerusalem also for the Passover. Uh, he's on his way, but he takes notice of someone. In verse 6, after he calls to Zacchaeus by name, Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus into his house with great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be a guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor Lord. And if I've cheated anyone on their taxes, I will give them four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this house today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save 
those who are lost. Zacchaeus was one of the last people Jesus met before he went into Jerusalem. This is the final week of his life. No one knows this at this time. Jesus does. He actually told his apostles before they even started on this path what was going to happen, how it was going to happen, what was going to happen to him. They didn't believe him. It just just didn't make sense. Uh, But even though Jesus is on a mission to get to Jerusalem, he doesn't forget his real mission to seek and save the lost. He sees Zacchaeus. He discovers Zacchaeus up in that tree of hope and says, come down. You know, Zacchaeus was literally out on a limb. <laughs> he went out on a limb to be discovered. Let's go back to Mr. Now, O'Connor. when the amateurs are called to come on stage to perform, the first thing that they must do is rub the tree of hope. That is the tree stump that is on the stage of the Apollo. The tree was once located outside the old Lafayette Theater, located on 131st Street and Adam Clayton Powell. Unemployed entertainers would rub the tree and, and hope that they would get employment. When the tree was finally moved downtown to the Apollo Theater, a piece of it was brought to the stage so that the amateurs could rub it. All right. So it's interesting. Zacchaeus tried, he climbed his tree of hope. And in Apollo, before you get on that stage, you have to rub the tree of hope. Uh, which, by the way, Obama did. <laughs> Everyone did who showed up on Amateur Night. Matter of fact, if you forgot to rub it, they wouldn't even let you start. I've seen scenes where they send people back. <laughs> uh, some of them didn't help, but that's okay. <laughs> it didn't help because Amateur Night was dead serious. The theme for Amateur Night was be good or be gone. (laughs) You didn't play around. You had to have not only hope, but you had to have strength of heart. In 1934, one of the first um, uh, winners of Amateur Night uh, in that year was a woman named Ella Fitzgerald. Some of you probably heard that name. She made her singing debut at the Apollo Theater, and as they say, the rest was history. But what you might not know is that she rubbed the tree of hope and she realized she had no hope if she did what she had planned. She was planning to dance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the act before her received such resounding applause that she thought, I'm not going to make it. (laughs) And she had the heart to make a decision and change. She changed and decided to sing instead. And as great as that dance act was before her, she won first place. (laughs) Yeah, amateur night. Be good or be gone. But you got to get on that stage with heart. Zacchaeus had heart. Matter of fact, that is the reason why Jesus stopped. You know, people have often asked, why did Zacchaeus, why was he so eager to see Jesus? And there's a lot of, you know, sort of speculation, etc. I'm going to throw mine out there for the heck. Um, You know, Zacchaeus, uh, as I said, he was a chief tax collector. He um, probably uh, managed a number of tax collectors, which made him the chief. Um, it turns out that what you learn in Luke chapter 5, you don't need to turn there, but, but you'll, if you go back and, and read it in verse 27 through 28, that Jesus actually called the tax collector to be one of his apostles, one of his 12. 
Um, that was um, someone named Levi, also with a Greek name of Matthew. And Matthew is the one who wrote the Gospel of Matthew. He not only followed Jesus uh, and, and had been following him even before he was called to follow him, uh, but he had a banquet. It says in verse 28 that he held a great banquet for Jesus at his house and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with him. Of course, the Pharisees hated that. They talked about Jesus. He's eating with tax collectors. But the point is here, Zacchaeus is hearing this. All of my co-workers, <laughs> all of everybody in my industry is showing up to follow Jesus. Who is this man? How does this happen? There was, there was actually a desire in his heart to understand and see Jesus. It says that in verse 2, again, that he was a chief tax collector in the region. And that he ran ahead in verse 3 um, to climb a sycamore tree. You know, it's interesting that the crowd, when you read that, they see Zacchaeus. But what they see is, you know, someone who is uh, someone they despise. A chief tax collector. You know, a chief a tax collector uh, worked for the Roman government. Right there, big no-no. Roman government was an occupying uh, country taking over uh, Jerusalem, taking over the Israelites, basically um, running everything. So to work for them, you were working for the wrong side, so to speak. Um, and not, but not only did you work for them if you were a tax collector, you collected the money that supported them. So you're, you're, you're doubly wrong. And if you're a chief tax collector, oh my God, <laughs> you are truly despised. Uh, but the trial saw that he was a tax collector, he was very rich, rich and also that he was too short. <laughs> it's life. Some things you earn and some things you get. <laughs> that's true for all of us. Some of us, we've earned things, whether that's degrees, whether that's position, whether that's whatever income we have, whatever we own, and some things we just got. And I remember... Um, you know, thinking, how did I end up being black? I mean, no, seriously, no, no, I'm, I'm not even joking. I know probably most African Americans at some time ask that question because you realize the deck is stacked against me. You know, why, why, God, why did I end up here? You know, so maybe Zacchaeus felt like, why am I short? I don't understand this. <laughs> you know, and, and maybe that's what drove him to accomplish. They call it the Napoleon, you know, syndrome. Uh, we don't know. But we know that he did accomplish a lot. Now, it turns out it was things that people despise, but he was rich. He was famous. He was well-known. Jesus knew him equally because he said him by name. But what did Jesus see? Jesus saw what was inside. He saw the heart of Zacchaeus. Not his money, not his position. He saw what his actions said. The fact that he had a desire to see Jesus and actually put that desire into action. He ran ahead of the crowd. He climbed the tree, rose above the crowd, and then he sat on that limb. You know, I actually looked up, you know, what's the sort of definition of out on a limb? Because <laughs> it's a phrase we, we use, you know. And I was curious, you know, hoping that maybe it started from Zacchaeus. <laughs> it didn't. <laughs> but that's okay. Uh, the definition said, being out on a limb is being in a dangerous and uncompromising position where one is not joined 
or supported by anyone else. This is Zacchaeus, a place of vulnerability. He was very vulnerable, physically and spiritually. And God saw both of those. Jesus saw both of those. He saw his heart. You know, this is not new. God is always looking for hearts. Second Chronicles 16.9 says that the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. In Jeremiah 29, one of my most favorite verses in 13, it says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart and I will be found by you. Zacchaeus proves this point. He had the heart to climb that tree. He had the heart to be out on that limb. He had the heart to say, I really want to see you. I want to know you. Now, he didn't know what he was getting into. (laughs) He didn't realize how vulnerable he really was. But he took the challenge. You know, I think one of the things we have to ask ourselves is, do we take it? Are we focused on the things of the world, the valuables that the world tells us is important, the outside. You know, whether that's money, whether that's actually career, whether that's success. You know, it's funny, I, 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 um, when you say rich and famous or rich and wealthy, people always think of the other person. But, you know, I, I realize that we define richness by what we value. Um, I, I grew up on the south side of Chicago. Uh, thank you very much. <laughs> By the way, I love saying that. I never say Chicago. I always say south side of Chicago. <laughs> and that's because I'm proud of it. But it's interesting. On the south side of Chicago, hardworking uh, African Americans, most of them had migrated from the south, as I talked about earlier. Uh, and they've invested a lot in their children. My family invested a lot in me and my brother and my sister. And you learn to value the things that they value. Matter of fact, sometimes on the south side of Chicago, you're valued because of your attitude. Oh, man, he's got an attitude. He, he can give it or she can give it. Take no prisoners. Tell them what you think. Don't hold back. A sharp tongue. Uh, you value because you look good. Oh, man, he's so athletic. She's so pretty. She's so beautiful, etc. Late breaking news, folks. Jesus doesn't look at any of that. God does not look at any of that. If we are still clinging to that, we're doing the wrong thing. We're not following Zacchaeus. He got out there. What are we putting our value in? Are we performing for the crowd? Or are we standing before Jesus? Here it says Zacchaeus was standing before Jesus. Jesus. You know, it also says in Matthew 6, 22, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be. See, we can't fake God. He'll see our heart because <laughs> he'll see what we're investing in. He'll see where our treasure is. You know, one of the sad truths in life is that many people have heart and talent, but they don't get an opportunity. You know, this, this actually was part of the bitterness and anger my dad had. He was very talented. Uh, most of what I have, I got from him. The ability to 
analyzed, to be structured and disciplined, to schedule, to be on time, to be a man of your word. He had all of that. But he grew up in the Jim Crow time period and, and even worse. And so there were no opportunities. It, it, really, it really made him um, sad. Um, you know, oops, I pressed the wrong button. Sorry about that. <laughs> One of the great things about the Apollo Theater was that it was a place of opportunity. You know, during this time period, when it started in 1934, moving forward through the 60s, uh, but definitely the 30s, 40s, 50s, um, there was no place where talented blacks could go. Matter of fact, the Apollo Theater, before it became the Apollo Theater, as you heard Mr. Apollo talk about, uh, it was something else. And that something else, you could only perform if you were white. (laughs) So, talented blacks would come here because they didn't have any other place to go. They weren't allowed in mainstream establishments, and so they, when they went on the Apollo stage, they knew, this is my opportunity. And they became legends after they appeared on that stage, for many of them. You know, but it wasn't just African-American and blacks that actually came to the Apollo Theater. Um, since 1957, there have been uh, various acts from Whites, Latinos, uh, etc., Indians. uh, It's been a place of full inclusion. Um, And every race, culture, ethnic group has contributed to its success. Amateur night at the Apollo Theater was an opportunity for the disadvantaged, for those who could go nowhere else. Zacchaeus had an opportunity. You know, he's up in that tree. Jesus says to him, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your house today. Matter of fact, this is the only time Jesus ever invited himself into someone's home. (laughs) Uh, I've tried that before. It doesn't work. (laughs) Well, it kind of works one time, but but every other time it hasn't worked. (laughs) Uh, I'm I'm a little upset at that, but that's okay. (laughs) But what we have here is a seeking savior finding a seeking senior, sinner, and the two meet. This was Zacchaeus' only opportunity to meet Christ. As I said, he's heading to Jerusalem. This is his last time. Nobody really knows this, but this is it. If Zacchaeus had said, well, too many people, it's crowded, I don't know what I'm going to wear, I don't like the cloud, I don't like the weather, I don't, etc., that would have been it. Wouldn't have happened. But he didn't. And when he was given the opportunity to come down, it says in verse 6, that Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. This is a special time. But there's the crowd. <laughs> what does the crowd say? The people were displeased. He has gone to be a guest of a notorious sinner. You know, it's one thing to be called Notorious B.I.G. In this case, <laughs> you're a notorious sinner. <laughs> I mean, it is, it is not a happy place. And they were grumbling. You know, the crowd can make you or break you. Because the crowd will tell you the truth. That's what happens at the Apollo Theater. They tell you the truth. <laughs> the question is, can you handle the truth? I think most of us can't handle the truth. I know I couldn't. 
I actually had probably been invited to church, I don't know how many times. But I didn't want to be part of that. I didn't want to hear that. Uh, matter of fact, when I finally came, uh, it was a group about this size, maybe a little smaller, in a bigger building with a, with a balcony. I actually sat up in the balcony. I was up in my own tree. <laughs> I didn't want to sit close. I didn't want to hug. I didn't want to touch. I, didn't want to, I, just, wanted, I just wanted to see Jesus. <laughs> I just wanted to look down. Little did I know he was looking at me. <laughs> Little did I know he was checking out my heart. Uh, but he wanted to know, could you handle the truth? In John 8, chapter 8, verse 31, 32, Jesus said, If you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You know, we can't stay in the tree. Uh, I don't know where you're at today. I don't know if you're visiting. I don't know if you're, you know, someone's been coming for a long while. But, you know, if you're up in the tree, you've got to come down. You know, an opportunity means nothing if you don't take it. That's the truth. You know, it's exciting that Jesus cared for those that others didn't. Those rejected by society. You know, we see that all over the Gospels. The words, anyone, everyone, all nations. Jesus is full inclusion. Just like the Apollo Theater. You know, Jesus gave Zacchaeus an opportunity and he took it. And, and this was the moment of truth for Zacchaeus when he took that opportunity. This is the be good or be gone moment. And actually, literally, be good or be gone. <laughs> because he had to face the truth that what the crowd was saying about him was true. But what was he going to do about it? You know, it says that Jesus stood and said to the Lord, I will give half my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anyone, I will pay back four times as much. You know, we learn in Romans 12 um, that we're not to copy the behavior and customs of this world. But to let God transform us into a new person by changing the way we think. And then we will know God's will. Which is good, perfect, and pleasing. You know, Zacchaeus took the opportunity. And he faced the moment of truth. And he decided, I'm going to be good. Not be gone. I'm going to be good. And he changed in the moment. He used the words of Luther Vandross. Here and now. (laughs) Now, of course, he didn't know Luther. but (laughs) Or maybe Luther used his words. I don't know. (laughs) But he did it. He accepted the invitation. He became, instead of self-centered, self-serving, he became generous. He knew this is what Jesus cared about. He had heard about Jesus, feeding the poor, healing people, serving needs. Frankly, I'm I'm a little surprised, maybe a little discouraged. I've heard that there's some people in here who refuse to serve, who decided 2996 is not for me. I don't, I don't understand it. Do you, are you following Jesus? If we're following Jesus, serving is what he did. Amen. Caring for others is what he was about. Yes. Zacchaeus at this moment understood that. There was a clarity in his mind. And he said, I'm going to be generous. He also said, yes, I am a sinner. Now he phrased it sort of cautiously. And if I have cheated anyone, if. 
Come on. He's a chief tax collector. He does it better than anybody else. Matter of fact, the other tax collectors have to give him money that he then gives to Rome, which of course you know he skims off the top. Come on. So he did cheat. It was the thing to do. I got to tell you, when I went to college, I quickly learned that you did things. It was the thing to do. It's what everybody did. Come on. We're in college. We're all like that. We all have lived like that in some way. The world tells us what is appropriate. It tells us how to live. But we have to fight that. We face Jesus, which means we turn 180 degrees from the world. And we make some decisions. Zacchaeus did. By the way, giving four times as much was not the requirement. He could have gotten away with just giving an extra 20%. He actually chose the words that David used back when he was caught committing adultery with Bathsheba and killing her husband. He was caught because Nathan, not my son, but another Nathan, (laughs) said to him a story about a lamb and how this man basically had a lot of lambs but took the one lamb that somebody else had. And David was upset. He should pay four times as much. That's what Zacchaeus says. That's Zacchaeus' heart. That's his desire to change. What limits have we put on our change? You know, it's, it's interesting. We can, as disciples of Christ, I'm talking about people who made the decision or following, say, okay, I've gone far enough. You know, this area over here, yeah, no, I don't really need to give that up. Or, I've given up most of this, so why would I do more? Um, Zacchaeus said four times. He went the distance and beyond. You know, this is not the first rich person that Jesus ran into. Yeah, yeah, you probably remember. The rich young ruler. That didn't turn out so well, did it? (laughs) Not because of Jesus. (laughs) Jesus loved him. Clear, no doubt about it. But... The rich young ruler was focused on rules. I think it's the other area we've got to sort of test our own hearts and look at. Are we following Jesus or are we following rules? I've got to tell you, I have to test myself. Um, probably quarterly, monthly, whatever. What, what am I doing? Why am I not doing more? Is it I'm okay because I've, I've checked the box? you know, Or is it really that I really don't want to do more. You know, it's not about rules, it's about relationship. And we have to be good, or really, at the end of the day, we will be gone. I've seen many people who followed the rule. I'm talking about disciples of Christ, followed the rules, and then something happened in their life which really the rules couldn't cover, and they walked away. Zacchaeus isn't walking away. He's actually following Christ. And he's being transformed with each step. You know, in Colossians, it says uh, in verse 5, in chapter 3, verse 5, it says, put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, Bear with each other. 
and forgive one another. You know, I had this on my, uh, on my phone in my notes, and for about a period of time, about a couple months, I'd read it every morning. Every morning. Because I realized I had to focus on changing. I had to actually put time and energy and effort in it. The transformation isn't going to happen just because you show up. Sitting in a red chair doesn't make you a disciple of Christ. (laughs) It's good chairs, but really, it's actually effort. And it's a lifetime of effort. In these verses here, we see in Colossians 2, verse 6, it says, So then, just as you received Christ, Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. We have to continue. The race is not over. The finish line has not been crossed. Uh, and then in 1 Timothy 4, 7, uh, B through 8, it says, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Amen. You know, the, these verses encourage me. They help me to stay focused. Um, I love being part of this church. I, I love the fact that God has used me and positioned me in places that I never knew I would be. <laughs> uh, and, and it's been exciting, but I also realize. I own my walk. If I'm not continuing, if I'm not training, I love training. I, I trained for track for almost a decade. Um, and so I get the, the idea that physical training is good. It was really good. It paid for my college. So I know it was good. <laughs> and if this is better, come on. Make a list. Write down those things that we just read. Kindness, compassion. Write down the things that you need to kill. Mm-hmm. Greed, sexual morality, idolatry. Decide, I'm going to train. I'm going to work on getting rid of this and growing in this. God will bless it. I'm, 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 I'm very encouraged by, I talked earlier about what I was discouraged by. <laughs> but I am encouraged by the number of teens and college students that have decided to follow Christ. Amen. It is just. I mean, the, 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 the crowds you face when you're in high school and college, <laughs> that's what they really call it, peer pressure. Because <laughs> there's real pressure. Uh, I was shaped by it. I was molded by it. Um, I needed to repent because of it. Uh, I needed to confess because of it. Uh, but to watch... These young people make those decisions, make the commitment. And you realize, you know, it's going to take some work. You know, they're, they're, they're committed, but they don't even know what's coming. <laughs> and so, yeah, they're going to have some moments where they're in doubt. They're going to have some moments when they step back. They're going to have some moments when they're wondering, you know, why are they popular? And they don't know anything about God and, and I'm nothing. <laughs> uh, you know that. But as encouraged I am by them, I'm even more encouraged by the more mature singles. When I say more mature, I'm talking about those that are in their late 30s, 40s, 50s. I am just blown away by the change and the transformation. Um, Royston, I don't know where you're sitting, but it's been a joy to be part of your life the past six years. And see you make the decision I can do more. 
I can do better. It's exciting to see him up here on the stage. I mean, really. It is. But, it, but he's not the only one. Sherry Whiteman on the board for the church and having a Bible talk in our home. And Steve Davis. Now dating. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I am blown away. And then Karen getting married to Dave. Wow. I mean, what do you say to that? <laughs> I won't even say their age. <laughs> Those who know, know. Corey. I see you there. I see you there. And I've seen you the past three, four years. Learning, fighting, growing, transforming. It ain't over, folks. The path is still there. You know, getting on that stage at a, Apollo was truly intimidating. Let's hear. If the audience likes you, they applaud you. If they don't like you, well, they will boo you. Now, let's be clear. To boo somebody in normal situations is very rude. But on amateur night, <laughs> it's acceptable because that's the way people are judged. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> it's acceptable to get booed at the, on Amateur Night. Um, so some of you know some of the people who showed up on Amateur Night and got booed. I mean, you probably the one probably the most famous is the Lauryn Hill. You know, at age 13, again, teens, preteens, she got up on that stage. She rubbed that log, and then she got booed. <laughs> James Brown was booed off the stage. Ah, so you didn't know that. <laughs> I mentioned Luther Vandross earlier. Remember that? Well, at the age of 18, he rubbed that log, got up on that stage, and got booed right off of it. He did it five times. <laughs> he lost five times. <laughs> what he said later on when he was a phenomenal success, off the charts, etc., he said, the experience taught me that show business is really a process of rejection. Wow. All right, I got one more for you. Dave Chappelle. Probably one of, one of the top five comedians, you know, uh, ever. Um, at age 16, he got up on that stage, rubbed that log, got booed right off of it. <laughs> Here's what he said. He said, I just remember looking out and seeing everyone booing. Everybody, <laughs> even old people. <laughs> this was the meanest crowd in the world. <laughs> he says that siren went off and that dude came out tap dancing and Sandman and I wanted to choke him. <laughs> and then he says, but that was the best thing that ever happened to me. Because before that time, I had never been booed. After that, I was fearless. We can't fear the crowd. We cannot. Jesus is in front of us. If we stand facing him, we will be fearless. We will have his spirit to guide us. We'll have his word to guide us. We'll have his community to support us. You know, it says here that uh, the Apollo Theater, Amateur Night, you know, it's not only about being good or being gone, but it says it's where stars are made and legends are born. Um, last week, one of the legends of Apollo died, Aretha Franklin. And the lines, the crowds at the Apollo Theater were 
just massive. As they were when Michael Jackson, when Prince, when James Brown. You know, this theater remembers its legends. It remembers its stars that began there. Those stars had heart. They took the opportunity and they were transformed. Apollo Theater, yes, is a place where stars are born. But in Jesus' church, we can also become stars. In Philippians 2, it says, in verse 5, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And then down in 15 and 16, it says, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God, without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. You know, we have a great opportunity. You know, stars are born at Apollo. With Christ, we're born again. And we can become stars. If you've forgotten how to be hot, please go back. (laughs) Jesus said it best. The Bible says it best in in Revelations. Remember your first love. Love calls you to change. It calls you to be better. Uh, It calls you to learn, to train, to work. Don't just show up. If you're coming and you're visiting and you're studying the Bible, get off the tree. Seriously, get down. Look seriously at Jesus. Turn around. Stop looking at the crowd. Well, my brother didn't do it. My mom doesn't do it. I don't know. Nobody else in my building does this. Why should I do this, etc.? I don't know. I mean, I've, I've seen people argue about stuff that could change their life. Set them free. Make them stars. Zacchaeus was discovered. He was born again. You know, I, I came up here and I mentioned that uh, one of my new roles is elder. I really do take it seriously, by the way. I don't, I don't fully understand it. <laughs> I'm not joking. I, I think I'm an elder in training. I'm trying to figure out how to do better, do more. Which, by the way, one of the reasons why I accepted the role, desired the role, because I knew I would have to transform. It was going to call, call for more than I had ever had. I'm telling you, I'm, running, I'm rubbing that tree of hope every day. <laughs> like, uh, some of you have booed me. I, I got, by the way, you have, and that's okay. That's okay. I, I'm going to be fearless for God. For God. One of the little um, no, unknown facts um, is that Zacchaeus, it is, it is actually historians have went back and looked. What happened? Okay, he came down the tree, he followed Jesus. By the way, that whole period of when he's basically going to his house, it's, it doesn't really reveal it in the scriptures in detail, but he's traveling to his house, and the crowds are with him, and they are literally grumbling, complaining. It wasn't just one line. It was the Apollo Theater. I mean, it was full force on. And by the time he got to his house, that's when he turned and said, here and now. That here and now, that transformation didn't end. It is said that he went on to become the elder for the Caesarea Church. That's Zacchaeus. Let us follow someone who was born again and became a star in Zacchaeus. Thank you.
At this point, time of our service, I want to um, uh, pray for the Lord's uh, communion. This is a time we remember Jesus uh, in a specific moment uh, as he prepares for his death. Um, it, the bread re- reminds us of, of his body that was broken. The juice reminds us of his blood that was spilled for our forgiveness of sin. Um, please join me in praying. Dear Father, we are so amazed and grateful that you come looking for us. We say the word Savior, but we don't have a clue how much time, energy, effort you put into it to make the plan unfold and then your son put in it to make it happen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Help us to be transformed. Help us to to truly turn that 180 degrees, to repent, to continue repenting, to continue growing, to take on the new clothes uh, that we just read about. Lord, as we take this uh, communion, ground our hearts. Uh, Give us the hope to face whatever the crowd is saying to us, God. Whether it's around us, outside of us, or rather it's just in our head, God. Um, Lord, we know that victory is with you. True victory, true success, true discovery. We thank you. We love you. We praise in Jesus' name. Amen.